Peace, peace, peace. Welcome to a brand new episode of Out The Box Talks. I am your host, Krill. We have another special interview for you tonight or today, whenever you're listening, doesn't really matter. This is a artist that I've been listening to, I want to say for the past couple of months, really dope MC hailing out of the city of Buffalo, New York. She put out a couple of projects in the past few years. I feel like 2019 was a nice year for her. She put out the Thrill of the Hunt, part one and part two. She also put out a project called Juno earlier this year in February. She's a part of the label called TCF, TCF Records. She has a new project coming out that I'm really excited about on Mellow Music Group, produced by Apollo Brown, entitled As God Intended. So without further ado, it is my pleasure and honor to bring to our Out the Box Talks listening audience, MC, lyricist, Shea Butter Queen herself, Shay Nor, welcome. Oh, what's, what's good, Shay? Hey. How are you? I'm welcome. good. I'm good. How you doing? I am good. I'm extremely happy to have you here. I gotta say, the last time I had a female MC on our on my show, and this is no slight to anyone. It just kind of worked out like that. It was Rhapsody. And that was a probably that was probably like I don't know probably three years ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy to have you here. What's good with you? How's things? In things this- are good. Just working, man. Just working. Staying busy. Staying out the way. I can see that. I can see that. I got so much that I want to talk to you about, but uh, as I always do in the beginning of the interviews, I like to kind of take it a little bit back. For you to give a little history on yourself. What uh made Shay Noor decide to pick up a pen and start MCing? So um I'm I'm originally from Buffalo. I moved to Niagara Falls when I was like 14, 15 years old. Um when I moved out here to the Falls, I was dating this producer in high school and he taught me how to make beats at 15 years old. He was like a big known producer in the town, so he taught me how to make beats through Fruity Loops at 15. And once I learned how to make beats, I said, oh, well, I got a bunch of beats. Now I need somebody to rap over it. So, like, when I was around 16, I wrote my first rap um, and started rapping from there. Like, just became passionate about just, like, uh, you know, putting my words together, metaphors, the poet side of it. Um, I started showing some friends, some family members, and... They was telling, you know, was pushing me to keep going because they said, you know, you dope. You got, you know, you spitting some nice stuff. So, mm. um, long story short, fast forward, maybe, I, okay, I said I was 16. So, I fast forward maybe like five years later. Um, that's when I, I would say I started building a studio out in Buffalo, in South Buffalo. I started building a studio at my friend crib. He had a little studio apartment, so we put a studio in his living room. 
And I was going out there every day and recording. And I had a bunch of music just sitting, so I just started throwing it out. Um, I had a freestyle. I think one of my first freestyles that I put out was um, over the Jay-Z So Ghetto beat. Mm -hmm. And I put it out, and I got some good feedback from it. So I just kept putting stuff out, and I just it just turned into a whole tape, which was called Poetic Thoughts. And I put that out. Mm. And, um, well, just to rewind a little bit, before I put that out, I had linked up with Benny in, like, 2015, and he ended, um, he ended up coming out to the studio I had in the Falls. Cause I had another studio out in the Falls that I had built. He came out there and um, came and recorded. That's how we got the Tyson. So that's how we ended up doing the Tyson song. Mm. Um, that was actually on my first mixtape. But when Thrill of the Hunt, the first Thrill of the Hunt got re-released, we put it on that one. Um, but, yeah, he came out and he was showing me love and just telling me, like, to keep going. So, like, once I put my first mixtape out and I got a lot of good feedback and, like, you know, Benny was like one of the first big artists from upstate to really like start shouting me out and showing me love and putting people on to me, I was like, well, shoot, you know, this is, uh, you know, I look like I could do something with this. So I, I started doing mad local showcases uh, and I was selling out. Like, you know, most of the shows I was doing, I sold out of them. Um, wow. I had a couple, you know, empty joints, but I sold out of most of the shows that I had locally. I was driving out to Queens. Um, doing shows there, coming back, doing shows here. Went out to Atlanta, did some shows, and um, I just got my buzz up. I sent mm. some music to Spech through Facebook, and we kind of, like, went from there. Like, he got back to me. I sent it to his personal Facebook page, and he got back to me in, like, like three minutes. Three minutes later, wow. he got back to me. I was like, yo, we got to talk. Got on the phone with him. We had a conversation. I drove out to Rochester with my cousin, which was, like, an hour away from there. Right. And he told me he wanted to be a part of the team, so... That's how we, you know, worked that all out. And I was down with TCF. And a year later, I put out uh, Thrill of the Hunt 2. And it's been kind of like just leveling up ever since. Wow, that's dope. It's interesting, you know, like when you say you, you made that connection with Benny. I, You know, obviously I didn't know that. How come, uh, like what happened in terms of... um your continuation like how come you weren't like like how come you didn't continue with like Griselda um well when when I was working with Benny that was like some separate stuff that we was doing like we okay. had like I've worked with Benny like we have more music it's just it just hasn't came out yet but um like with the whole Griselda thing Griselda had just signed a shady deal when me and Benny linked up mm -hmm. yeah I think this was in 2015 I think that's when they had signed that's the year they signed they deal. it was either 2015 or 2016 so they were still like kind of up and coming at the time but um you know I, I just I was more um familiar with Benny just because Benny comes like east side of Buffalo that's where I'm you know originally from and right. I was a kid seeing Benny a lot um Westingham is like a little old, and Benny hang out with a lot of like younger people that I know that I went to school with and, sh and stuff. So, okay. but like Westside and Conway, I didn't meet them until later on. They like, you know, they're a little older than me. I'm 26. They got me by like 10, 12 years. Right, right. So, you know, I I met them like years later, but it's always been love and the connection through that. You know what I'm saying? And Benny okay. always showed me love. He put West on to me. Like, West gave me a shout out on Facebook a couple years ago. Like, um, oh. you know, like Benny put me on to them, but like, when I was linking up with Benny, they was just really starting out really in the game. They was kind of getting off getting off the ground with they shit. So okay. that's why we didn't, you know, you know it, it, it's still love, though. Like yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
that you know, I only asked it because I just you know I saw the Benny connection, but that that totally mm-hmm. makes sense. I, I I definitely could see that the love is there, man. Word. Yeah, that's the whole thing, yeah. Word, word. So, in your music, you talk about the struggles, particularly, you know, struggles that you had to come up experiencing and the struggles that your mom had to endure raising you and your siblings as a single mother. Although no one is perfect, what is one thing you gained from your mom or or she might have told you that has motivated you to propel forward in your career today? Um, just a lot of, like, my mom's wisdom, her strength taught me a lot. Um, you know, it's times, like, you know, that went without her really even saying too much. Just me seeing her push through every day, like, you know, just, um, you know, on her own, you know, really barely getting any help, especially at that time, um, just seeing her strength. Her wisdom, um, you know, my mom used to always tell me as a kid, you know, be the head and not the tell. One thing she'd always teach and pre- preach to me, I should say, is, um, you know, she always told me you got to do it twice as better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I said that in my uh, one of the Apollo songs, and that's something that my mom really told me. Like, you know, me being a young black girl and coming from where I come from, she's like, you know, they're not going to just hand you anything. You have to, you have to work for everything that you, you know what I'm saying, that you want. Mm. But you got to do it twice better. You have to do it, you have to work twice as hard, you know. Because not only are you black, but you're a woman at that, you know what I'm saying. And, you know, just just giving me a lot of jewels as a kid coming up, you know. Um, you know, my mom really kind of was raised off this whole survival, mm-hmm. uh, survival type, type of instinct. So um, a lot of jewels that she gives me is jewels that was passed down from her OGs and, she just passing them down to me, you know, so. Definitely. I'm going to be referencing some, like, some more lines from your projects. So, you know, just look out for that. You cool with that? Yeah, no, that's, okay. that's perfect. Okay, cool, cool. So you have a, a line on the track, Kiss the Ring, where you say, I got hustle in my DNA. The first woman in my mm. family that ain't trying to be a CNA. When mm. I heard that line, it just made me think because I know certain people in my family, you know, and relatives mm. that went that route, right? Now, like, the medical field offers a great level of stability. However, yeah. where did you find the stability in pursuing a music career or just going that non-traditional route? To be honest you, I it took me some years, you know what I'm saying? Mm. I would say this, this music business and being able to turn this into something as lucrative is not an easy thing. Yeah. Um, it took me some years and it took me honestly, because I was already kind of like I was I was some years into this already when I had linked up with Spech. Um, my issue was that I didn't have well, of course I didn't have enough workout, but I, I, I didn't have I didn't have the tools to monetize my time in this, you know, with doing music. Mm-hmm. That was something I learned once I got around him. So um, it took me a minute to even, you know, get to the space where I was comfortable enough, you know, so to quit my job or, you know what I'm saying? Like take care of myself and my family just off of what I'm making off my music. It took me a while, but once I figured it out, you know what I'm saying? It was something I was comfortable with, but um, you know, like with that line, uh, 
you know, that just was like another way. Cause I, you know, it ain't, I ain't knocking nobody how they make their money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, what no they doubt. do for a living. But I, you know, like, but that was something that's like, like coming up as, you know, coming up from where I come from in my family, like that is something that young girls in my family are told to go do is go into the nursing field or go be a CNA. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 you know, fast forward 20 years later, they still doing that. They haven't, acquired anything they got a list of goals and they ain't checked off anything on that list yeah um it's kind of me it's kind of easy money too that's how i look at it um but again i'm not knocking nobody for what they do and you know what i'm saying because i know everybody's situation is different yeah I, that was just my way of saying don't settle you know what right. i'm saying because I, I tell my little sister she want to get a nursing so say nothing wrong with that um but i told her like whatever you do um just make sure whatever you do is a way for you to elevate in that lane. Mm. You know what I'm saying? If you're going to be a CNA, okay, what's the next step? You know what I'm saying? You're going, right. uh, I don't know what's the next step. I think it's usually LPN or something like that. Then yeah. What's you the next step the after the IRN? Okay, what's the next You're going to be traveling to get, you're going to get paid to travel and, you know what I'm saying? Be it traveling IRN. Okay, what's the next step after that? You're going to get your business. You're going to open your own office. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? That's all. So I'm just all about elevating in your lane. No doubt. You know what I liked about the line was that it it showed a sense of your in touch with the real world, right? And I say that, mm -hmm. quote unquote, like, you know, when people hear you rap, and this happens a lot in your music, you could sense that this is a sister that really came from the struggle because mm -hmm. this ain't no glitz and glamour. Like, being a CNA is when the lights, you know, when that glitz and glamour, the lights is off, like people really live like that. You know what I mean? So that's, mm -hmm. that's what I also made me reference the line because although you're separating yourself from that, I think at the same time it's showing your genuineness to that blue collar reality. You know what I'm saying? That's a fact. Word. That's a fact. What made you go the lyricist route? When did you decide the true MC lane would be yours as opposed to the sexual provocative female in rap image. At what point did you say, you know what, this is my lane. I'm a rock with this all the way through. Um, I mean, to be honest, when I first started out, I had people in my ear telling me I had to rap like that in order to get some attention. Mm. But see, I always looked at it like, you know, I'm going to be me. I'm going to be myself. You know, I always looked at it as a, it's, it's such an overly perpetuated lane. Um, you know, for me, I'm always about just being comfortable in whatever I'm doing. You know, somebody told me, an engineer, when I was at a studio session in, in Atlanta, told me, you know, just be yourself. And, you know, being yourself requires that comfortability. So this is the lane that, you know, I, I kind of just carved for myself, with, even with people in my ear telling me, you know, I, I never forget years ago, this was probably like 2016, 2017, my cousin. Like, I love him to death, you know what I'm saying? He's still, you know, on the road with me. He actually one of my right, you know, right-hand partners in this. But mm. he kept telling me, like, you ain't even got no nasty song. You need a nasty song. You got to show this. And I'm like, man, that ain't my lane. So mm. it's just, like, about me being comfortable. Like, you know, I had a lot of shit that I've been through, and I want to talk about those things. Like, you know, I get people on Twitter. On, on social media online telling me oh you know you should switch it up you know saying nothing wrong with that but you know i gotta wow. stay true to myself this is what i'm comfortable doing this is what i was called to do in this lane 
And I'm also about just being like I have a platform and I got a lot of people, a lot of kids, a lot of people that have gone through shit listening to me and looking for me to be the escape for those three or four minutes they listening to my music. So I want to provide some type of um some some uh, uh, some type of escape, you know what I'm saying, uh, uh, away from whatever reality they're dealing with at that moment, you know. So I'm just about using my platforms in a responsible way, you know, because a lot of people aren't, especially coming from where I come from, a lot mm. of people ain't, they got the talent, but they not, you know what I'm saying? Some people don't get their chance in big break like this. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm all about just being responsible with it. Mm. Wow. I really appreciate those sentiments. I appreciate, you know, you having that type of value to this art form, you know, cause it's, it's so needed. What I wanted mm -hmm. to ask you next was so many times when we talk about females in hip hop, we, we look at like the negative things that they have to endure, which is real. And you know, you can feel free to share, you know, whatever you're comfortable sharing. But I would also like to talk about the positives. Like you seem to have a really good relationship with, you know, 38 Spash and some of the brothers that support you and stuff in the business. Like what are some of the pros or the positive things you've gained, even though you're a female MC, um, you know, in your journey to be successful? Like what's propelled you forward in terms of the support that you've gotten? I mean, you know, with, with Spesh and, and everybody from T, like, you know, that's on the trust family, class, G's, uh, you know, all of us, it's like a, it's a, immediately when I came in, it felt like a family, like, mm. you know what I'm saying? Like a brother, sister type of relationship. Um, they've always treated me like that. They've never treated me any, you know what I'm saying? With any disrespect, it's always been on a respect level, mm. but it's like a, a family. Um, you know, we support each other. Um, you know, just them, they're supporting me. And even when I first signed, just their 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 unconditional support in me mm. um, is what really had me at a point where I was like, okay, I'm at the right place. You know what I'm saying? I'm 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 where I'm supposed to be because this is this is how I am. Like you know, I'm a very family oriented person. Like you know what I'm saying? I I grew up with all my family. We all grew up like in the same under the same roof, same household, mm. auntie or granny house type stuff. So. You know, this is where I, I come from family. Like, that's, that's you know what I'm saying? I treat, I got friends that I grew up with that call my mom, they mama, you know what I'm saying? I call their grandma's granny. It's it's a family thing. So that's how I felt, and this is how I knew, like, you know, this, I was in the right spot. So just their, their unconditional love, support, and whatever I do, and it's always reciprocated, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it, it's, it's, it's really like a family, like a, a brother and sisterhood. So, um you know that, and, and and even the jewels, like that's just giving me so many gems and jewels that I I will carry with me forever. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, just him taking me, and he he's done things that I always look at it like, you know, he didn't have to do what he did for me. Like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Just teaching me and, and showing me the game, not trying to run game on me, but showing me the game as far as how to maneuver and 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 moves through this industry as a woman, because as a woman, sometimes, you know, as, as especially the position that I'm in as a woman, especially me being a new artist, um, it's easy for labels and, pe and certain artists, to, you know, people coming in and try to slither and take advantage of that. 
but he's always schooled me and told me step by step, listen, this is how we're going to do it. You know, anytime paperwork had to get involved, he sit down and he talk and he show me like, okay, this is what this means. Mm. This is what you got to do. You know what I'm saying? So it's always been a respect thing. He's always treated me like a little sister. So, you know what I'm saying? That's family forever. That's a beautiful thing. Thank you for sharing that. So I got a, I got another line I want to go to. This is actually the line that made me say, oh, shoot. I got to listen to this chick, to this sister. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you got a line on win, lose, or draw where you say, if a chick put a hand on me, she going to lose her arm. And when oh. I heard that line, I said, yo, this sister's plan is sharp. Like, that's not just no line that you just, <laughs> you just walk <laughs> over. You know what I'm saying? So, um, wow, yeah, um, and it, it was, what's dope about the line is like, it's not just saying don't mess with me on a physical, but it's also saying don't mess with me on this lyrical level. So nah, not at all. Word, when you think about penning your sharpest lines, what consistently is happening in your creative process? Man, you know, it's, it's a question I don't even know the answer to because like it's, Sometimes I surprise myself. Like, mm. I shock myself, like, listening to my music back. I'm like, damn, how did I come up with that? Like, you know what I'm saying? So, I, I it's just really, I think sometimes it'd be the beat. You know what I'm saying? If, if the beat grimy enough, I'm going to go crazy on it. Um, you know, I usually don't really save a lot of bars. I, you know, sometimes I do, but most of the time I'm going to the studio, it's all off a fresh pen. So, I'm going off of whatever beat I'm getting. I'm going off the vibe of that. And, you know, especially just, like, every beat he most of the time play, like, it's some grimy, grimy shit. So I'm like, man, I got to be on my, I, I'm, you know what I'm saying? I got to I gotta come with the grimiest type of shit, man. Like, let these niggas know, like, listen, I'm on my toes, you know, sharp as steel, and I'm ready to cut niggas' heads off. But it's really, like, the vibe I get is the beat. Like, cause sometimes I listen back to shit like, damn, how did I come up with that? But... <laughs> I don't know if this really be the vibe of the beat. I watch a lot of, uh, I read a lot of books. And then, I, you know, I watch a lot of, like, I try to watch, like, when I do have time, I try to watch a lot of TV, get some inspiration from that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really, I was really inspired at one point in school, like, by Greek mythology and, like, uh, what is it, the stone, the stone statue art, you know, type shit. Like, you know, I, I made a whole, a whole mixtape inspired by the whole Head of Goliath theme. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm into all of that, you know what I'm saying? Like violent, gritty type shit, but got a message behind it. Cause Head of Goliath is like one of the greatest stories in the Bible, but I did a whole mixtape because it's like, you know, just being an underdog in this industry, but me being an underdog, they kind of underrate you when you next to giants. So, you know, just me having that mind frame or just knowing like, okay, I'm David right now. And, you know, these motherfuckers, there's a bunch of Goliaths around me and people don't think that, you know what I'm saying? I, I, my shit is sharp at it, as it is. Mm. So I got to prove that every time I get on that shit. Mm. Wow. Tell me about your work with Apollo Brown. Obviously, this new album, As God Intended, it's, it's being touted as an album, right? Or is it an EP? Yeah. No, it's an album. Dope, dope. How did you and him come together for this new project? And did his influence as a producer play out in the structure of the project? Yeah, so um, Apollo just, he reached out to me on Instagram. Uh, this was 
maybe a month after I put out Thriller to Hunt 2. This was last summer. We talked about doing this project together. Um, he just reached out. Um, we got, you know, paperwork in order. And I was a fan of his music already. Um, um, I became a fan. I heard about Apollo. Um, actually, this was probably back in 2015. I think it was either 2014 or 2015 when he did West Side, West Side Guns, um, Mr. T song, because he made that beat. And that song was like, you know, going crazy uh, back home. And I remember like listening to the beat and I was just like, damn, like this beat is so soulful. And I went and looked up Apollo Brown, like all his previous tapes, uh, previous albums, all his work that he did with Sky Zoo. And I just remember listening. I, you know, so I became dope. a fan of that. But to have him reach out to me, you know what I'm saying? That, that was like a big deal for me. So he just pretty much reached out to me, um, you know, once we got paperwork and everything in order. Um, you know, he sent over a batch of beats, he sent over like five beats at a time. And I went through it and, you know, smoked everyone I had. And I went out there, last, uh, this was March of this year. And, you know, I went out to Detroit for a week and we recorded and connected over that. And, you know, this was, uh, you know, just wow. a lot of just good vibes from there. How did, uh, the structure of the album come to be? I know there's... I heard the track Freedom that actually came out today. Well, I don't know if it, I, I know it, it hit the blogs today as we're, you know, recording yeah. today. And I, I want to talk to you about that track, but I noticed like you got like skits and stuff. Like where, where did his producer influence play a part on this project? Like well, outside Apollo, of the beats. I was just kind of like the, I say I was the last, the fin the last, instrument to it like my mm. writing and my pen and my lyrics was the last instrument he was he had the beats already picked out like he ain't mm. making these beats in front of me he already had this oh wow created made and picked out already even when he reached out to me last summer so he already had the direction and the sound of the album wow i was just coming to put lyrics over it but once i heard the beat i turned the beat into i turned these beats into me, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Shay Norris, Shay Butter Quinn. I turned them to me. So nice. And the skits and stuff was all his idea. You know wow. what I'm saying? He showed me he had the, uh, different ideas, but he went looking for all the skits and stuff. I just I put the lyrics over, and he took it from there. Like you know what I'm saying? He seen my vision, and he just matched matched all of that with what I was speaking about, and you know the imagery I had on each song. Yeah. Why Why'd you decide the title as God intended? Um, well, you know, we were going through a list of titles. I had a different title. Um, and you know, he kind of wasn't really in, a, he wasn't really in agreement with that title. Mm. Um, I think this was maybe, I no, this was like November of last year. He just sent me like a, a list of names. Cause he told me that he wanted to wait till he heard like, you know, what I had written for it first, mm. Um, before he, you know, gave it a name, but when he said I, uh, he had as God intended at on one, of, uh, you know, as one of the potential titles on the list that he sent me back in November, and I was like, nah, that's it right there. Like that, that it just sounds so catchy. Mm. It's so me. Um, you know, what I'm saying I'm a very spiritual person, so and that's kind of the direction I was going with the album anyway. Um, and you know, what I'm saying so. Um, when we when I actually went out there, flew out there to record the album. Um, once we got through, once I got done recording all 15 songs, he was like, no, nah, God intended is a perfect title for that. Mm. It goes perfect with everything, your content, everything, speaking about the imagery. It just goes, it, it, you know what I'm saying? It goes, it, it goes with it. So that's just kind of what we 
where we went with, you know. And I always talk about, like, I feel like this is um, where I'm at right now. Like, as far as my music, this wasn't something, I wasn't no kid, you know, eight, nine years old saying I wanted to be a rapper growing up. I, I didn't, even when I did start doing music, I didn't expect myself to actually be doing it, like, as a career now. Because, I, I you know, I went to school, I went to college. First person in my family to graduate college, I had a plan. I was going to go, you know what I'm saying? I, I wanted to be a psychiatrist. I changed it to, I was in communications, doing media. I was studying film. Like, I, I had a whole plan. I was going to go get a, a job, chill out, have fun, enjoy my life, stack some bread up, and just, but, I, you know, I always felt like this was something that God, this is where God needed me at. He needed my voice, so. That makes sense. Yeah. Wow. The first single on this project features probably, I mean, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this might be your biggest MC feature in Black Thought. Um, oh, yeah. And I can't sure. recall ever hearing Black Thought on a Apollo Brown album. Nah, this is first one. Yeah. That, this is first rapping on Apollo Brown beat. Yeah. Oh, wow. See, I had to dig. I was like, let me just make sure. Before I ask you this, but did Thought know about you prior? Like, how did that come to be? <laughs> no, <laughs> he didn't know about me prior. Mm. Um, he was at Benny's show. Benny had a show at Sony Hall last year that I went to. Um, I seen him backstage, but I ain't going to introduce myself. I still was like, kind of like, mm-hmm. um, like people knew, but not really. So right, right. Um, he was there, but um, nah, he heard about me once. Apollo sent him the song. He reached out to me on Instagram and told me he fucked with my music and gave me my flowers. And, you know what I'm just saying? Just like kind of like, you know, just showing me love. Um, but then, nah, that was his first time hearing about me. Wow. When when you, like, who did the verse first? Did he do his verse before you or? Because I. <laughs> no, I had have, I have my verse already done. Okay. Because we, not, when I did it, when I was in, this is back in March, when I recorded all of this, when I wrote and recorded all this in Detroit. Okay. Um, we still was deciding on who we wanted to put on certain songs. And then when this virus kind of like hit the U.S., right. um, it started shutting everything down. You know, it was people that we was reaching out to to get features from, but they couldn't get in the studio. Mm. So, um, like, you know, and when, when Apollo had, you know, suggested Black Thought, I'm like, yo, if you can get Black Thought, you ain't got to put nobody else on that album. I'm good with that. Like, <laughs> that'll make my whole day right there. My whole year, actually. Like, Word. He ended up getting back. You know what I'm saying? He sent the verse right back, and the shit was crazy. So that was just, like, kind of like a dream come true for me. Wow, that's so dope. Because I was going to ask you, I was like, you know, being that he wrote the verse first, did you, like, feel like, you know what, as an MC, I got to go back and spit something harder? <laughs> Or you just kind of just let it flow. I never did that before. I didn't heard a lot of verses Word. first before, and I, you know, what I'm saying I don't go. Well, I, I didn't. I was. I should say I, I've recorded verses and heard verses after mine. I don't rewrite verses. No doubt. I love the confidence, man. That's what's up. Yeah. One of my favorite tracks from you on the Juno project is "Royalty." You have yeah. a line where you say classmate told me my father was a fiend man i felt so embarrassed thinking mm-hmm. back on that moment how were you able to overcome the pain that came with that statement like what happened the next day you went to school like how'd you get through that if you had to like go back to that moment <laughs> 
Um, to be honest, you around that time when I was in high school and I had one, so I probably was like 15, 16 years. Well, actually, probably like 16, 17 years old at the time when I happened. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't even think I didn't really start dealing with a lot of that until I got older. Like, I, I think at the time, yeah, I was embarrassed when they came and said some shit to me, mm. but it kind of was like, okay, whatever, I get over it because you know, coming from like where I come from, especially like you know, dealing with a parent that was on you know, that had a drug addiction. I, I thought that was like some normal shit. I didn't think that, you know, it's a it, that's that's uh that's an issue. You know what I'm saying? You dealing with some higher shit. I thought every kid was going through that type of shit. So I never dealt with my emotions and how that really fucked with me growing up. Mm. So it took me getting grown and getting around other people and hearing other people's stories and me telling my story and they like, nah, that was some heavy shit you was dealing with. Mm. And I'm just like, you know. It, you know, as an adult, I didn't dealt with it now. You know, I had to get past that because, um, you know, those those type of things. And then even dealing with, you know, an incarcerated parent, like, you know, those type of things, are, those type of demons and emotions that you don't deal with are following your adulthood and kind of, you know what I'm saying, it, it gets in the way of your path mm. or, or whatever path you're supposed to be on. It, you know, closes doors to you sometimes when you don't deal with those emotions. So yeah. once I got older, I dealt with those things. Um, you know what I'm saying? And it's just a process every day, you know, just, just, just staying, um, just staying focused and, and, you know, and telling my story. I think that's so important because um, for me growing up as a kid, music was always an escape for me. And that's why I said this earlier in the interview, like I, I want to use my platform, my voice, to be that escape because those three or four minutes I may be listening to a Nas song or a J. Cole song. That was my escape. That was my way of dealing with my emotions. Like, mm. you know what I'm saying? Hearing somebody talk about what I'm going through right now, that was that was yeah. That was a different feeling. That's how I you know what I'm saying? I said I gotta talk about what I done been through because it's kids and I see these kids all the time. You know, my little sister, she got a bunch of friends that's right here in the projects, you know what I'm saying? And they going through all of this and they listen to my music, you know what I'm saying? So I want to be able to, I want them to, under, you know, have that relatability to them. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm coming up and I, you know, I got my head on straight, but I didn't been through some things and I had to get through this shit and everything I got was off the mud and off my own muscle. And mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? I'm just letting you know, like I've been there. So. Word. You know, the reason why I referenced that line and, you know, there's some other lines that come after that. I don't know if it's just... It's definitely the beat, but it's also very much your words. Like, mm -hmm. your verse on that song, because I know you share that song with some other MCs. Your verse on that song just really signifies your pain. And, like, as a listener, you transcended that. Like, I could hear mm -hmm. it. And that's really dope. And I wanted to ask yeah. you, do you sometimes see when you pen rhymes like that as a form of therapy for you? Or a way of, oh, yeah. of, of you know, dealing with some of the issues that you've dealt with in the past through the writing? Oh, yeah. Because I, I was a kid that grew up, I didn't talk about nothing. I kept all, I kept, all my feelings and how I felt, I kept all that shit. I didn't talk. I didn't tell, talk about my feelings, how I felt about anything. Mm. I was a kid that bottled a lot of things up. So when I started doing music, that was even before I, like, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Even before I would say I started taking it serious. 
I got so much unreleased music from like back 2013, 2014, like uh, just me drumming on songs, like just mm. going crazy. Um, it, it was definitely a form of therapy for me. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's where I felt safe and, 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 and I, I felt in a, you know, in a safe place to talk about those things. But I, I was one of those kids. I kept a lot of things bottled up. I never talked about nothing. Like my mom, she was sitting right here. She'll tell you like, you know what I'm saying? She hated that, but that's just how I was. But my music was my way of getting that out. So, but I'm def I'm more better with it now. But like, yeah, I definitely it's definitely therapy for me. Even now, like I'm going through some stuff right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then I've been writing. That's you know what I'm saying. That's my way of dealing with it. Yo, it ain't that amazing? Look how beautiful that is. You you held Man. things in when you were little. Now the world gets to hear your story and it could serve as an inspiration to, to other people. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. Super dope, man. Word. It's super dope. Like it make me, I, I, you know, it's a different feeling when I got people reaching out to me, I got messages of people telling me they crying to my music and wow. you know what I'm saying? And how my music make them feel. That's that, that man, that's, that's really what I do it for. Like, you know, the money cool and all, but I do it for that, man. Like, like Nipsey said, the highest human act is to inspire. So I got people, you know, saying that I inspire them to keep, I'm helping them get through their day-to-day life. You know what I'm saying? People telling me they contemplating suicide and people with mental health issues telling me that my music is getting them through that. That's, that's wow. a different feeling for me. Also on that track, Royalty, you say, I know blood thickening in water, but that's hard to convince. Because to tell the truth, mm. I had family cross me more than a friend. As mm -hmm. sad as a reality that is, it's actually true sometimes. How do you oh, protect yourself from negativity from certain family, but still maintain an overall love for blood relatives? I mean, just loving them from a distance. I was just talking about this with a friend yesterday. Like, I, I got certain family members that I just have to love from a distance. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm there for them forever, but I can't, I can't have you in my space because mm. you're not good for my own mental health. <laughs> like, so, you know, it's just, I, I love you from a distance, but I've been crossed by family more than any friend. I've, I, I've actually never had, I've never been crossed as bad as I've been crossed by family, you know, by a friend, like, you know what I'm saying? I've yeah. had family do things like, just the dirty shit, you know, but as far as getting through that, it's just me learning. I got to love you from a distance. Mm. And that's really what that song is about because everything I spoke about, every single lyric that was in that verse is is true to my life. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, and I said that because that's what I'm, that's what I was going through. And I'm still going through that. Like issues with just knowing how to deal with family, you know what I'm saying? Cause at the end of the day, it's still family. That's still my blood. I don't hate right, you, right. but you know what I'm saying? But for my own sanity, I can't have you in my space. But that ain't always no easy thing to do because, again, that's your family. Right. Yeah. But it's like that saying, um, what they say when you get on that airplane, they say, um, you know, if, 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 you know, if an accident is about to happen, you got to put that, you know, you got to take care of self on. You know, you got to put the mask on yourself first before you... Mm -hmm. Take care of someone else. So word. Yeah, help somebody else. You know, so That's I fine. I get it. 
there's been a lot of back and forth lately, unfortunately, between black men and black women in terms of our respect for each other, right? Obviously, many mm-hmm. perspectives to consider when it comes to each individual story. But one thing I got to say I don't like is that we're at odds and we really don't need to be at a time like this, especially in this fight against racial injustice. As a no. sister like yourself, who seems to have a good relationship and communicating with brothers, what do you think is causing this to divide between our sisters and brothers and where can we start to make a positive change? So I know that's a loaded question, but just coming from you know, your perspective in terms of how you see relationships between men and women, what do you think is, is, is causing that disrespect or that divide and what can we do to make that change? I mean, I think the issue is, I should say the biggest issue I see um, is instead of being on kind of being level headed with, with our opinions or, or how we feel our past, I think, I think the passion, because it's all in the right place, but us being against each other is not really going to get us anywhere. I think a lot of it is just um, one thinking that they're more right than the other. Mm. So it, it's caused that, that kind of, um, where it's turning into like more of a, okay, women versus men type of thing. Right, right. You know, or right, you know what I'm saying? Or we're more smart, we're more aware than men. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's not really a time. I mean, I can't give you an answer on, on the steps. I think I think one step, one thing we should start doing is, is just hearing each other out. Mm. You know, I, this is something that I think my generation is really big on. Like, you know, because we're a very, we're a very debate-heavy generation. Like, we love to debate and talk about our opinions and, and what we feel is right. And, you know what I'm saying? What we feel should happen. And then, Sometimes in that, you know what I'm saying, when you're in, in, in heated conversations and you got two people that are so passionate about what they're speaking about, they're so busy trying to talk above and, and, and you know, talk down at the person instead of talking with them and, mm. and, and kind of, you know what I'm saying, being kind of level-headed with it. Um, you know, so I, I think... Um, Listening, you know, I like I, that. Yeah, I, I, I don't, more. you know, I don't have an answer to solve any of that because I, I'm... I'm a very I'm I'm all about listening, you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm a, I'm good at I don't mind hearing where you stand and your perspective on things. Whether I agree with it or not, that's how you feel. I can't tell you how to feel. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to introduce you to my perspective and hope hopefully um you know what I'm saying in some way um you know once I you want you're introduced to what you know my perspective on things it may change your way of thinking and I'm doing it's vice versa. Cause I may be, I may be saying some things you don't agree with, but I'm always about like, you know, hearing people out. Like you may yeah. say some things that may, okay. have me like, Oh shit. Okay. Now nah, you right. You right. So, you know, I don't know. That's how, I, that's how I look at it. Nah. I mean, I think, I think you're on point. I think listening could be part of the answer, you know? And like you said, <laughs> like level being, you know, level-headed or, you know, being open-minded. I, I think that's a great point to consider. Yeah. Now, on um, on the track Bloody Sword, I think that is, I think, is that on Juno? That's on Thriller to Hunt 2. Thriller to Hunt 2, okay, my bad. On Bloody Sword, okay. you have a line where you say, 
them schools never teach the fact that the richest man on the earth was a king from Africa. His name was Mansa mm-hmm. Musa. Do your research and dig. Who put you on the game? How'd you get knowledge yourself and be able to know about this royal history of Africa that often is hidden? Well, I have a very, um, I have a very, uh, I should say, informative. Uh, you know, my my dad, my my stepdad, he's he's very um, in tune with all of that. Mm. So he he been kind of like in my ear since I was a kid. You know, even with him being in and out the streets and you know dealing with his whatever he was dealing with. You know, times when you know what I'm saying when he when he was sober and he home. He, he, you know, he in my ear telling me about these things. Um, you know, I actually uh, was put on, I was told about the Hidden Colors um, docuseries when I was in college, but I never watched it. Mm. Fresh actually put me on, but, um, I think this was like last year or it was like 2018 or something like that. He put me on to the Hidden Colors. I had already heard about Mansa Musa, but um, when I, once I watched the Hidden Colors, the first, uh, the first, uh, actually the first episode, um, that kind of like what got me like, okay, got me kind of like fascinated with learning more about, okay, this hidden history, because this wasn't something that nobody was taught me from Musa in school. I know I never heard this when I was in school coming up. So, um, but these are things that, you know, I was told from my dad here and there, mm-hmm. um, you know, at the time when he was telling me, I didn't want to hear it. It took me getting older to go and do my own research when I started getting passionate. And then I always said like, you know, with me, rapping and the platform that I have, I want to um, educate my fans because I have some fans who didn't, who never heard of Mansa Musa right. before they listened to that song. So um, that was all I was about. But like once I, you know, did my research and I heard about it and, and I remember when I went and watched the first episode, that's what got me in tune. Okay. And now I'm going to go and talk about this because you know what I'm saying? This is, this is what we need to hear. This is according to lifting. Yeah. Um, according you know, according to our history, this is, you know what I'm saying, the richest man to walk the earth. Black, you know what I'm saying? A, That's world a, history. That ain't just black history. That's world history. You know what I mean? Man, yeah, that's it's, just, it's crazy. Like, this Word. is, why we ain't hear about this? Why we don't know <laughs> nothing about this? This is insane. Yeah. Like, the man threw the whole economy off just giving, you know what I'm saying, giving gold, giving money to people. Like, right. it, it, it was I'm just like, wow, I ain't never heard of this before. This is crazy. Wow. You know, you said when you first heard it through your stepdad, you didn't want to hear it. Like what? You know, that speaks to, I think, the mind of some of our young people. Um, And I'm not Mm -hmm. singling them out, but like, you know, you probably like you might, you know, you might have grown up, not you per se, but just putting it out there. Like someone might have grown up in a house where, you know, their pops or their moms was always putting them on or their uncle. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you whatever, you know. And then they get to a certain age where they're like, you know what? Wow. My 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 pops been told me about that. Now it even resonates more. So I'm just Very curious cool. to know, yeah, like what, what made you say, at the, you know, why, why at that point you were like, I ain't want to hear it. Like what created that mindset for you to kind of like put it off till later? Just being young, like, you know what I'm saying? I got a 17-year-old sister. Like, I'm, I'm always in her ear <laughs> telling her, like, you know, educating her, trying to get her to read books, reading certain things to her, sending her certain stuff. Uh, You know, I know she ain't reading half the shit I'm sending to her, but, you know what I'm saying, I'm planting that seed. Word. And, you know, my mom always tell me, like, you know, because my mom was the one, too, that, that preached a lot of this in my ear. Like, my mom, 
was she actually brought me to Hidden Colors the whole series. Um, and I think they got like a little, a, another DVD that they added to it where they talked about the um, Haitian Revolution in there. Yeah. Like my mom just bought it for me last year. Like she was like, you know, we've been telling you about this <laughs> since you was a teenager, but you ain't want to hear it. But I think a lot of that just be, just being young, you know what I'm saying? At the time, I, you know, I was trying to be fast. I wasn't trying to hear none of that shit at the time. So, but my mom used to always tell me like, you know, I, you know, we, we planted the seed. Somebody else may come and water it, but you know what I'm saying? It's important to plant that seed though. Word. You know, cause I, I'm planting seed for my sister. Somebody else may actually get her, you know, into it to want to go actually do the research. She may got a boyfriend or a friend later on down the line right. that may start, you know what I'm saying? That she around and they start talking and telling her and, I, and then she going to come back to me. And I'm like, I've been telling you about this, but it's cool. I planted the seed. Now, you know, <laughs> that's dope. On the new track, uh, which we referenced earlier, Freedom, off of As God Intended, there's a really strong excerpt by Umar Johnson. I believe that's Umar, right? Yep, that's Umar. Um, where he says, uh, we celebrate 150 years of freedom since 2015. What do we got, black folks? Where's our airplanes? <laughs> Where's our supermarkets? Where's our schools? Where's our banks? What do we got? Mm. What inspired you t- to use this excerpt? Well, you did say that Apollo, you know, um, involved it, but what inspired? Yeah, yeah, what inspired that excerpt? And what do you hope the message in the song conveys to listeners? Um, you know, as far as the skit, that was that was all Apollo with that. You know, what I'm saying the genius to him. Mm. Um, cause I've always been a fan of Umar. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I don't agree with everything the man says, but mm-hmm. he has some very, um, uh, just very informative interviews that I've listened to in the past. But, um, that, you know, that was all Apollo with that. But as far as like, you know, what I hope to convey from this song is just, um, us as a people, um, you know, especially with the, the climate of, of our, not just our country, but the world right now, because mm. this is turned into a worldwide, right. a worldwide protest, you know what I'm saying? And riot. Um, I just hope as a people, um, you know, we, we, we realize and open our eyes to the power of ownership and the power of um, just understanding that these things um, that, that they keep us from, we're entitled to that. Mm. Um, you know what I'm saying? Um, I, I talk about this all the time with my aunts and, you know, cause my aunt lives and on the east side of Buffalo, she lives like near the Bailey area. And, um, a couple weeks ago, it was like a whole, like a whole SWAT team. It seemed like on Bailey street a couple weeks ago, um, because it was, uh, a cop had got ran over. Mm. It, was a, it was a huge shootout over there. And, you know, I remember riding through. I was in Atlanta when all this happened, but I remember when I came back home, I was riding down Bailey, and, you know, it was a couple stores that got looted, and everybody, you know, was so outraged by it, which I understand. But, you know, my issue was that, um, you know, we have no ownership to anything in our communities. Mm. Um, you know, and um, I'm not going to single out any race in particular, but, you know, um, we have no corner stores. Every corner store that we grew up going to is not owned by our people. Mm. And, and, and it's like, you know, I always wonder like, you know, do anyone see, and this is something I, I actually noticed when I was, uh, I was younger. Um, it's a, it's a store called super saver down the street from the street that I grew up in 
on um, when I was a kid coming up off of Broadway. It's on Lydell Street, the corner of Lydell and Broadway. It's called Super Saver. Um, you know, this is a story I've been going through, uh, going to my entire life. And, you know, I always wonder, like, why I don't ever see my people in these stores, um, you know what I'm saying, with, with ownership in these corner stores that we grew up as kids coming up in. Um, you know what I'm saying? I've seen so much people, I've seen so many people online outraged by the looting that was happening in the neighborhoods and saying, y'all tearing our neighborhoods up. These are not our, y'all don't, we don't own anything here. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, people get money and leave. They don't invest back into the communities that they grew up in. So, mm. You know what I'm saying? What do you mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? We call, it, it just, you know, it, it kind of like got me pissed off. But, you know, I just want my people to understand the power of ownership and and and, and not get money and leaving the hood forever and never coming back and investing into mm. No, you, you get money. No, it's nothing wrong with leaving the hood, but invest the money back. Word. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, like, you know, create generational wealth. That That's how you create generational wealth. Mm. Is You know what I'm saying? Having ownership in something. Once you own it, you can do what you want with it. You know what I'm saying? And flip it however you want. But that's how you create generational wealth. So just getting that across to them and, and, and just, you know, just, just doing our research and, and, and learning our history and not being so ignorant to it. Mm. I could dig it, man. That is so admirable of you. I got one more line for you. Um, This is from Two Summers. You say, I got baptized. I was raised in the church. But I watched my mama struggle with no help. That made me stray from the church. Now, that's mm. a big move to, you know, to take, right? Like, expound mm. further on what, on why you decided to stray from the church. Because I know you say you're a spiritual person, you're connected to God. Mm. But, like, to say, you know, I'm, I'm done <laughs> with the church. Like, expound further on that decision. Well, I would say, I would say this, um... You know, at that moment, mm. um, there was a, I would say, there was a time in my life where, um, you know, I watched my mom struggle to pay bills um, by herself, and um, not a single member in the church that I was going to was giving her money to help her, but they were asking her for money, and they knew the situation that was going on, you know what I'm saying? My mom is single parent, five kids, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the Her husband locked up, you know? I, I, as a kid witnessing this, that kind of made me look at church. I wouldn't say church, but just people in the church are different. Right. Because I still go to church, you know what I'm saying? Because it's just sometimes church just does something different for me because I still listen to I still listen to sermons every Sunday. It's not that I, I, I'm against church. Okay. It's the people in church that have me in it. But it took me growing spiritually to realize that the people in the church Ain't the church. I'm not you know, that ain't God's fault, and that ain't got nothing to do with the church in general. You know what right, I'm saying? Right, right, right. It's the people there. So I had to learn that, but I, I put that in, I still kept that lyric because that's how I felt when I wrote it. And that was how I felt at one point. Like, I'm not going to church no more. Like, you know what I'm saying? Why am I sitting here giving y'all money and, you know what I'm saying, listening to a man who won't even, you know what I'm saying, listen to people who pass judgment down, you know what I'm saying? They, they know everything my mom's going through. and you know, it's no help. Like at, I, when I was a kid coming up, church is help. You know what I'm saying? The, the, the people in the church, they come to your house. You know what I'm saying? They know your situation going on. They, members in the church, they, they put, they put money together and, and, and help pay. Your, you know, I've, I've seen them do it for my grandmother before. Right, my right, grandmother right. was another one. She was a single parent growing up. My grandmother damn near, you know what I'm saying? She played, she played a huge role in raising me and my, my, um, 
my one younger sister, Lala, mm. her name Lala, she's two years younger than me. And my grandmother played a huge role in raising us. Like, you know what I'm saying? I grew up um, in a church um, where, you know what I'm saying? They see certain things going on for members and they're struggling. The members who do have the financial means to do it, they're going to put their money together and try to help. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I, I just, I was like, you know, this doesn't make sense. Like, you know, we're going through all of this. You know, mom, and and we still we come to church. You know what I'm saying? I see my mom giving money to y'all. Y'all not helping, so mm. you know that kind of made me not want to deal with church. But once I got my own spiritual awakening, and God came and spoke to me, right? And I started forming my own personal relationship because I gotta be honest, I didn't have a relationship with God around the time I had. You know, what I'm saying I said I'm not going to church no more. Around right. the time I had these thoughts, I didn't have a personal relationship, so I, I had to get that and realize that you know those people in church ain't got nothing to do with with. Right. With church. Ain't got nothing to do with God. Those are, you know what I'm saying? So You know, it's interesting because as I'm thinking about it, it seemed like it made you more whole, right? So that you could now return back to the church and be stronger in your in the way that you, <laughs> you know, looked at things. Yeah, and just be there, just go there for what I came for, the message. Yeah. Because it's a lot of Jews, I'm not going to sit here and act like I haven't, you know what I'm saying? Gain some wisdom from some certain sermons. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's things that they say yeah. in there that help me get through my week and what I'm dealing with. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it help even with my career and things I carry with me now to this day. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I, you know, I just learned to just go what I, you know, what you came for, and that's the word. And 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 give back to God, and He's gonna bless you ten times more. Wow, well said. One of the things I feel has kept female MCs and also male MCs, I don't want to really single, you know, you guys out, but um but one of the things that's kept, you know, female MCs and like I said, also male MCs from thriving in their music career is lack of consistency. Now mm-hmm. um how do you plan to keep the consistency flowing? Like this is just my perspective. Let me just say that, right? I don't, I'm not an expert in the success, but just mm-hmm. what I'm looking at, right? How do you plan to keep the mm-hmm. consistency flowing in terms of your music and your visibility while keeping the quality of your music intact? I mean, I'm all about taking my time. I'm not going to rush anything out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with this Apollo album, you know, a lot of people don't realize the process it took for us to even, you know, um, well, I would say my writing process, like it took me a good six months to write this album. Wow. Um, but while I was writing this album, I still was, you know, I was working on Juno, you know what I'm saying? So, it, it, you know, with Juno be, you know, coming out in February and then now I got an album with Apollo coming out, it seems like it's like, you know what I'm saying, like a quick work, but it actually took some time for all these projects. Because mm. even some songs of Juno were all like a year old, you know what I'm saying? So it, it still was a process, but... I'm all about just taking my time. Um, you know, any downtime I do get, because, I, I, you know, I'm in the process of, 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 you know, starting a business, doing side businesses and stuff. But any downtime I do have, I spend in the studio. You know, mm. I wake up and go to sleep doing what I do. Mm. Um, so, um, but I'm, I'm still all about just taking my time and, and making sure it's always quality content. You know what I'm saying? Um, but... Yeah, I, I, you know, as far as just keeping up with that consistency and still giving that quality, I, I, I would say just, man, just, just, just uh, taking my time and, and doing what feels right. 
most of the time when I'm in a studio, um, especially if I'm in a studio with special, I'm going to do at least two to three verses while I'm in the studio before I leave it. Mm. So those two to three verses are going to turn into a song. So if I do that every day for a week, I damn, I got an album right there. Word. So it's, you know, and it's not like I'm rushing with these shit. Yeah, I'm taking my time. And I'm actually, you know, I think this is over like, you know, me spending, I'm falling asleep in the studio and waking up. So, mm. you know, it, it's, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a process, but, you know, just, just taking your time and making sure, like, you know what I'm saying, just, just staying with the times and, and, and doing your research and, 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 you know, just saying and staying in tune and, and just keeping that relatability with it. Definitely. Thank you so much for sharing that. You you said on, um I don't know if it was like the Juno album, one of the previous projects, you said about, you talked about an album called The Essence. Is that uh-huh. still in the works, like, what oh. what should people know about that? The essence is gonna be that's gonna be my debut. Mm. Like you know, what I'm saying you know how like okay, like I know y'all. I'm a huge. I was a Nipsey fan. Nipsey promoted Victory Lap for five years before he put it out. It's by, <laughs> right. And Victory Lap ended up being his first real album. Right, it got that that's Grammy. Like Unfortunately, like, he didn't get a chance to. Um, well, he yeah. he was there for I think for the not the first nomination, but I think it won the year, you know, after he died or right after he died. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, like he promoted that shit for like five years. Like he was promoting Victory Lap on Crenshaw. Crenshaw came out in like twenty thirteen. Mm. So it's like so. Um, that's how like the essence is gonna be like my Victory Lap because mm. I'm you know I did like three different cuts for Essence and we scraped scraped all them songs. Wow, and we started over. Like, you know, it's about just it being, you know, nothing is ever perfect, but it got to be, it got to be to, you know what I'm saying, the quality that I'm looking for and the sound that I'm looking for, the direction, the theme, all of that. So, yeah, we still working on that. You know, that's why I'm just like, you know, trying to be consistent with putting projects out between, yeah. you know what I'm saying, because I'm still a monster, still a, uh up and coming artist. So, you know, and then I want to reach a certain status, even with my social media presence before I put this, this album out. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not at the place that I, you know, want to be at right now with my social media presence and even media presence right now or in, or presence in the industry right now to put out a debut album. But, um, you know, we just gonna keep working on it from there, just building from there. Um, but yeah, just, you know, this is something that this is going to be my debut album, the essence and, um, you know, just definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, we're going to do a proper promo for all of that. But, yeah, that's going to be the main album. Definitely. Listen, Shay, I want to thank you so much for taking the time with me. I really appreciate that. And I, I wish you all the best with this project, this Apollo Brown project. And, you know, whenever we do get Essence, right, <laughs> the Essence. Um, any last yeah. things you want uh, the listeners to know? Um, about, you know, what I guess what could they expect from you before the end of the year? We got this project dropping with Apollo Brown, but what can they look for? I know you put out a lot of videos on Instagram and, you know, like what can they, what can hold them tight before the I mean, year's up? Yeah, I mean, y'all can continue. Y'all going to continue to hear bars. You know, I got As God Intended, which is actually one of my first studio albums, uh, you know, with Apollo Brown coming out July 10th. Um, you know, you're going to hear me on a lot of big projects that's coming out this year. I'm not going to give away no names, but you're going to hear me on some projects. Um, and, uh, yeah, you, you know, just, just 
I'm just gonna keep working in between that. You know what I'm saying? I might actually get another another album nice. top of next year, Lord's willing. You know what I'm saying? Who knows? But just gonna keep working and 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 doing my best to continue to give that relatable content and high you know good high quality music. Definitely, I really like this Apollo Brown lane for you. This. I feel like his beats, his, I mean, he's just a dope producer all around, like, but his beats tend to bring out the best in, in lyricists, you know, like you're dope either way, but like some of these songs I've heard, I'm like, wow, like I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the, 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 the story, you know what I'm saying? Like the pain, the, the relatableness. He did, like, a, he did his thing, man. Like his beats are so me and it's really and honestly it's a lane that i really wanted to try like you know what i'm saying nice. a sound i should say the sound i was really like you know eager to you know get into you know what i'm saying because i've all you know i've done the grittiness but i kind of wanted to take a take a, a switch and you know what i'm saying give some more introspective type shit so Word. um yeah like he definitely brought that out of me and, and this is like definitely one of my most cohesive and, and, and very, uh, I would say this is one of, this is definitely one of my top, we're talking lyrics, lyricism, content-based, topic-based songs. This is it right here. Like, yeah. this is a real album I put so, And it has, like, multiple verses on tracks. Like, I know some of your projects before, like, I didn't realize how short it was. It's so dope, but I'm like, yo, it's like <laughs> two minutes, like one minute and change here. Right. Like this actually is layered, you know what I mean? Man, I got, I got a joint on there. I got three verses, like telling a story <laughs> on that shit. You know what Word. I'm saying? Like, just fun. Like, you know, that's the era I kind of. Well, I wouldn't say the era. I, yeah, in a way, I did come up. I come up. I came up in that era, but I, I, I grew up listening to like Nas was like my favorite rapper. Like Nas, just the way his storytelling ability, just like. The way he can paint a picture, like I used to be a kid printing his lyrics out and like underlining words, like studying that type shit. Like so, um, I, I'm always about the imagery, you know what I'm saying, and 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 just you know what I'm saying, rapping to my best best of my ability. But um, yeah, like on this album, like I got songs on there. I got a song on there when I'm like telling a story, and I'm like three verses, wow. three verses in with that, shit, you know what I'm saying, just. Wow. Just just having fun, but but you know what I'm saying, keeping that it just it sounds so hip hop. Yeah. The essence, like golden era type shit. Like it's so it's I can't wait for people to hear this shit. Right. I see you got Sky Zoo on there too, man. Another dope MC, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. I'm yeah, looking I just forward actually to it. met him. I was out in Atlanta uh the end of last month. And nice. I that was my first time meeting him. Like a super, super cool person, man. Dope as indeed, hell. Indeed. Wow, man. Shay, once again, thank you so much. To all of our out-the-box listeners, make sure you continue to check us out. We're on Spotify. We're on Anchor. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Just search for Out The Box Talks. The website is outtheboxmedia.com, O-U-T-D-A-B-O-X media.com. Remember to subscribe. If you haven't subscribed, just hit that menu tab. Click that subscribe button and the rest is history. Just put your name and your email so we could keep up, keep you updated with our shows. Big ups to you again, Shay. I'm looking forward to this album dropping July 10th, right? July 10th. Yep. Yep. So that's right around the corner, right after the 4th of July, man. We got still got some more to celebrate for <laughs> with this new Thanks. project. So worry, man. Thanks.
much much thanks and all the best to you, all right? All right, I appreciate you. Thank you. No doubt. And just like that, we out. Peace. <laughs>